Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. In each episode, we discuss what we lovingly call a Torah smash, which we have defined as a beautiful collision of one thing from the world of Judaism with another from nerd culture. I am RDY, and joining me today are Barack Malkin, Ethan Lane Miller. Now, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons since about 1982, when I was given the basic set for my birthday, which would have been my eighth birthday. I really got into it, however, not from having the basic set and suddenly having people to play with, but at summer camp. So it was about two years later, my first summer at camp, I joined the D&D Hoog, which is a club. Oh, no, did they have one? Was this yeah, a Jewish yeah. summer camp? It was a Jewish summer camp, it's Camp so, Living, oh, Bennington, Indiana. Hello, Camp. I love this. And so that really got me into it. And I would play every day for about an hour. And then we would play in the cabin because our counselor was the DM for the Hoog. And so that summer got me really, really into Dungeons and Dragons. And then I, in high school, found people to play Dungeons and Dragons with me. And in college, every once in a while, I I might be able to pick up a game. And it started to fade away a little bit. Someone would mention it. Oh, I love it. Then my eldest got into Dungeons and Dragons and it came back into my life. When my oldest child, Gabriel, was about 13, 14, they got really, really into the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And then we all started playing with another group of friends. It went well for a little while, you know. You and your kid with other adults and kids? Yes. Oh, that sounds so fun. Uh, It was terrific. Yeah, life goals, Barack. I know. Yeah, you. absolutely. Um, and then with the pandemic, D and D had an amazing resurgence. Those of us who were already into it were really using it as a way to comfort ourselves during that time of isolation. The way the facility with Zoom and other kinds of digital communication made it easier to find new ways to play Dungeons and Dragons without trying to find a time when everyone can be around the same table. And then things like streaming services like Dropout TV that allow you to watch Dungeons and Dragons the way people who enjoy sports ball watch their games. Um, (laughs) it, It was wonderful for me. And famous Dungeon Masters now like Brendan Lee Mulligan and Matthew Mercer just really bringing the game to new life, especially since the two of them and the other DMs from different streaming services tend to play with improv actors. And watching improv actors play Dungeons & Dragons is so, so much fun. I would even back up and say that I think some of the resurgence was due to Stranger Things when that came out, because that was so D&D-centric as a plot point that I think that helped with some of the popularity to bring it back, too. I definitely like my first real experience playing something in the vein of Dungeons and Dragons as a board game was a group of friends getting something set up during the start of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And having it come back to life has made it come back to life for me. And as I mentioned, the last time we talked Dungeons and Dragons, one of my colleagues, you know, shared the article we talked about last time and said, you know, is this anti Semitic? And I came out with a resounding no. And then she said, can you teach me how to play? And we've been playing for two and a half years now. 
so a shout out to my Dungeons and Dragons group. So Rabbi Bacheva Appel, who was the person who shared the article and first asked, Rabbi Ben Scharf, who joined us as well, Ben's son Noah, who plays with us. I think Noah coming to the game was a condition of Ben's wife letting him come to the game. Um <laughs> And then my friends and congregants, um, Marnie and James Orsburn and Ginger Shulman, who the, so the group of us play Dungeons and Dragons together every week, pretty much, but only for two hours in order to keep it regular and doable for busy people. Um, we play for a short time, but we play much more regular than other D&D groups I've been to. So very recently, a movie came out yeah, called yeah. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. This is not the first Dungeons and Dragons movie. And I had high hopes for this movie because the other movies were being very generous when I said <laughs> awful. You know, I remember as a kid watching the on TV and I didn't realize it was the Dungeons and Dragons movie until this movie came out and they started noting all the other ones. The I don't know the one with Marlon Wayans as like the little Oh god. Side, what was that? Do you remember what that one was called? I don't. I, I think it was called I Vomited in My Mouth. <laughs> oh, how do you really was it, feel? I remember enjoying the fantasy world of it. So we watched this movie, and I actually watched this movie sitting next to Marnie and James on one side of me and my mom's husband, Lenny, on the other. And I still keep apologizing to James because I was that guy in the movie theater going, oh my God, an axe beak. Oh my God, a displacer beast. As the creatures <laughs> kept coming out that I recognized and was so excited to see. But when the movie ended and, you know, you go to a movie with friends and you turn to each other and you say, what do you think? And I don't remember which friend said that to me, but I said, that is exactly the D&D movie I was hoping it would be. Oh, yeah, it was so fun. That was a very fun one. Um, I just I, quickly looked. I just quickly looked up, and I'm going to sound like an idiot now because the name of that movie with, Mar with Marlon Wayans is called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's called they, that. Not even not the title. No, the tagline is the tagline is "This is no game," but it was it was titled Dungeons and Dragons, and I I don't think I really knew. I knew this thing existed as a kid, and I never played it as a kid. And I'm so mad I found it as an adult, and I love it, and I don't have the time to play it. The that movie is, was, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, the movie was th that that one. This movie, <laughs> the current movie, was really fun. Yeah, I loved seeing this movie, and I am curious also to hear about like what groups and and like what people we saw it with too. Yeah, for me, it was date night with my girlfriend, and we went to Alamo Draft House, so like dinner and a movie, and we both just loved it so much it was great i'm so glad and barack how did you see this movie i tried to get i have a small DD group that i play with now that i just started a couple of months ago and i'm loving it it's a ton of fun and so we have when the full group is there we have five people total with the including the dm and i tried to get all of them and they couldn't so i just went with our good friend jason and jason and I went, to see, went to go see Dungeons and dragons together because he is part of my DD group that's awesome you said you saw it with your just your family or with some friends too? I saw it with James and Marnie, who are part of my Dungeons and Dragons Got it. group, yeah. and my mom's husband, Lenny. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because my mom and my wife said, have fun. We're not interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, though. Like, my wife also was like, I don't need to find a babysitter for that night, but I'm definitely going to watch this with my wife. It was a ton of fun. And I think mm -hmm. she I mean, would really enjoy it. I, I, actually, I actually talked about this at work today. 
one of my coworkers recently had a child and the first movie they saw mm. like after going to the movie theaters for the first time in months was the Mario movie. And she's like, what should I see next? And I was like, Oh, it's about to stream soon, but Dungeons and Dragons. She's like, I've never played. I was like, you don't have to, this movie works on its own and it's really, really great. So I'll see, check back in next time. I'll let you know if she watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I am actually very curious to know how non Dungeons and Dragons people felt about this movie because I cannot stop going back to it in my mind and just all of the wonderful treats for those of us who've been fans with Dungeons and Dragons for a long time, including Barack, you mentioned watching Saturday morning cartoons and yeah. um, didn't quite hit on the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, but there was a big shout out to that cartoon in the current movie in, in Honor Among Thieves. Did you catch it? I only caught it when watching an Easter egg uh, um, uh, YouTube video. But yeah, the, in the maze scene, you want to talk, you know, these characters more than I do. But when they showed the side by side shots of that party of people in the maze and the characters from the TV show is super apparent. For real. Like, so one of the teams in the maze scene had a green robed redhead teenager looking person with glasses. That team is person for person, the characters in the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, minus the baby unicorn. I don't remember <laughs> what the, the baby unicorn's name was or what really any of the characters were. Shame. You call yourself a fan? Uh, the, of, of the cartoon? Less so. Oh, okay. Of, <laughs> and I mean, so many like great creatures. The intellect devours, I thought was hysterical, especially like that was hurtful. And yeah. <laughs> and just all the wonderful sh uh, shout outs to creatures and locations. Sass Tam is a major bad guy in the world of Dungeons and Dragons and the Red Wizards of Thay. Uh, I mean, again, I could do this for days. Um, I think the main thing I was looking out for, I was like, OK, well, they called it Dungeons and Dragons. How many dungeons? How many dragons? Nice. And so like how many prisons or or times were they locked up? And so they had a few of those. And I think I counted three dragons, maybe four. Mm. There was the one in the flashback with the battle scene. There was yeah. the big fat red one. Then mm -hmm. there was the one that was turned from stone to be a dragon. Nice. The uh, the Chinese place right next to where I live is called Fat Dragon. And now I cannot <laughs> go back without thinking of the movie. No, that's, fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I love Michelle Rodriguez's line. She was like, he's chunky. Yes. <laughs> No, it was so fun. Everything was just really amusing. Like they played mm -hmm. with it well. Yeah. Okay. I want <laughs> we we go ahead. I don't want to keep taking Osman on tangent. Yeah. So I can add a little context too. So Oh yeah, take us off on another tangent. Ethan. No, no, it's it's ans it's answering a question that you posed. I have just barely dipped, you know, my toe into Dungeons and Dragons as a tabletop game. And my girlfriends played more than me with like different groups uh, over time. And so for me, as someone who like knows enough to at least get it on a certain level, like I loved it. And something a friend brought up to me was it'd be great if like a year from now, there's a special showing where it's the exact same thing. But the only difference is on the side, they show you the dice rolls the characters are making. Because <laughs> like you, you could not that we need it, but like you could clearly see like, ooh, that was a one. That was not. Yeah. That, that didn't go well. Yeah. I, one of my favorite little like memes or posts or whatever whatever it qualifies as as the movie was about to come out on one of the dungeons and dragons groups that i'm in 
um, they someone posted something to the effect of, if you really want to make this movie realistic, have the audience all declare what time they're going to be there and then nobody show up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is Dungeons and Dragons about friendship? Is it about storytelling? It's all about scheduling. <laughs> so, yeah. so what is it about is a great lead in to ask the two of you, what is the Jewish connection to Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves? Wait, we've just been off on tangents. Is there like an area of topic we're talking about? Is there like a piece of the story that you're focusing on or characters or? I would consider this a major point of the movie. A running theme, if you will. Yeah. Something about like death or moving on or forgiveness. That's like three guesses. (laughs) Those are three guesses that are not the ones I was thinking of. Either like the fact that you know, the the game and in this movie, there's this idea of coming together and creating a new family, uh, maybe some sort of family grouping thing. Yeah, that, it's so close. I might just say yes, but let's see if we get any closer. Is Well, is it about the people you're with or is it about discovering who you are? Yeah, I, I would say both. I'm going to say that like the when you say just the people you're with, it's about community. Mm-hmm. And, is this and- a Havruta? Are we doing Hevruta? I would say Kehila Kadosha. Nice. And and for Jason, Hevruta is a group of people you study with, customarily a study partner, but Kehila Kadosha is a holy community. So community comes in a lot of forms. There's the family unit. That is a community. There's the group that I play Dungeons and Dragons with that I mentioned, and the group that you play Dungeons and Dragons with, those are very small communities. A city is a community, a neighborhood is a community, and our synagogues are communities. But the thing that we believe distinguishes the Jewish community from all other communities is that it is a sacred community, the holy community, something that is separate and above other types of community. And so I would say to the two of you, why is community considered a Jewish value? Well, there's a famous Dan Nichols song. There is that famous Dan Nichols song. So, Kahila Kadosha, Holy Community. That is a phrase I've used a lot in my career as a Jewish professional, as a Jewish youth engagement professional, that it's it's all about community. So, at Green Family Camp, Louis Dobin oftentimes would say, well, family's our middle name. It's right there. Uh, and now at the Jewish Community Center, I have borrowed that and said, well, community is our middle name. It's it's what we're here for. That's great. That's nice. I think a lot of Jewish actions, responsibilities focus on other people and how you support and elevate them. And even the things that are focused on yourself, they really, fe- I think they're mostly focused about how you interact with other people, not just how you take care of yourself. There is some aspect of take care of yourself, but I think a lot of it is take care of yourself so that you can be with others and support others and take care of others, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I know there are other cultures, religions, et cetera, that have the person at the focus. So I don't know. Well, I think your question was why. I don't know why community is a Jewish value. I just see it woven through everything. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that really makes 
the Jewish community a sacred one is the necessity for community and ritual. In order to do certain things in Jewish practice, there need to be 10 Jews, and even more to the point, 10 adult Jews. Mm-hmm. Now, this concept is called minyan, and it means quorum, and 10 people is a quorum. Now, I know that there are other specifics that different Jews would say are necessary for a minion, but I am a completely egalitarian Jew, which so I'm going to say that a minion is 10 adult Jews, period, uh, no matter what other descriptors uh, they, they have. You cannot, for example, read Torah in a ritual manner without 10 Jews present. You cannot say mourner's Kaddish without 10 Jews present. These are things that are critical for Jewish life, study and comfort. You need your community for these things. Yeah, and I think the pandemic helped to, I, I think, stretch or redefine some of the, you know, 10 Jews together, any parts of that, mm-hmm. because people weren't getting together in person, but having 10 Jews on a Zoom call was very different than having 10 people in the synagogue, but is really viewed as the same. And so a lot of our culture shifted when the pandemic happened around what does a minion look like now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I had mentioned in the intro that the pandemic changed how we view Dungeons and Dragons too. Yeah. Knowing that Dungeons and Dragons can now be played online, can you also practice Judaism online? And I will say for both playing Dungeons and Dragons and practicing Judaism, you can do it, but it's so much better in person. Yeah. When <sighs> the pandemic hit, That's... it was it was one of those moments when I was like, oh, I should I should play D&D now. This like there's a lot of online stuff. And part of me said, oh, but I don't know those people and it's going to be online. I'd rather roll physical dice and I can't do that if I'm not in a room with them. And so I didn't. And but now our group that meets semi regularly, like every two to six weeks is how often my D&D group meets. And we've even but how long do you play two to three hours, depending oh, wow. on what's going on. We'll end by 930 so people can drive home like that's our cutoff time so we try to start by 630 or 7 if we can but recently because of traffic kids other things that are going on we've actually started implementing a hybrid model like some synagogues (laughs) of you know some of us are in the room but a person who doesn't live close to where we play if they can't make it in time, we'll log in and we'll do a virtual with them on the video screen and the rest of us in the room. Because we all agreed, yes, we could do it all virtual and we can probably play more frequently, but we really like coming together in this space to hang out and play as at a table as instead. So, My D&D group plays from three different states. So sometimes two of the players who are in California, we might have dinner plans after the game. So they'll come to my house, we'll play Dungeons and Dragons together with the whole group from my house, but they'll still be on their computers. They'll be next to me in the room, but on their computers because of equality and hoping to not confuse (laughs) up. Yeah, very cool. So now weaving this back into Judaism and the movie, when it comes to community, there are so many different statements from rabbis of the Talmud, from our sacred texts that have community in it. For me, probably the most, I'll say, famous one is from Pirkei Avot. It's when Hillel says, Al tifrosh min hatzibur. Do not separate yourself 
from the community. And this yeah. is this is one of yeah, it's it's one of those big important Jewish concepts. Yeah, that never split the party. Never <laughs> split the party. Love it. Yeah. And they did split the party in the movie. They did. And look what happened yes. to them. And look what happened. Bad things yeah. happen when they split the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when they all got captured because they got split up. Yeah. Can I bring another? It's okay. If it, there's a community piece that popped up. The thing in the movie that pulled at my heartstrings was, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead in this one, yeah, was okay. the fact that uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Holga, Eventually, we have just like another D&D movie, like Onward, the Pixar's Onward, where you discover that the person you didn't know was filling that role as a different family member is filling a role of a different family member. Right? Absolutely. And so the fact that Holga is not just a friend, but she is so vital to the daughter Kira's life, as well as Chris Pine's Edgin's life, that she's not just a friend. She has filled this role in their community as somebody way more valuable and important that they don't end up reviving the original wife. They revive Michelle Rodriguez instead. Totally pulled at my heartstrings. But that was a big piece of when you have these group of people who come together and who support one another, just like Holga supported Chris Pine with his daughter, you become way more than just community. You become a Kehila Kadusha, a holy community. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I also loved that Edgen and Holga had no romance to the point where yeah. when it was brought up, you know, oh, your lips are too big. And, yeah. you know, and there's also a cut scene. If you watch the extras on the movie, if that's something that comes up on however you watch it, one of the cut scenes has her describing all of his features that she doesn't like. <laughs> uh, it's great. Oh, that's fun. It almost sounds like they're like an old arguing Jewish couple, actually. Yeah. Or the way I saw them was siblings. Mm. Uh, And this deep, deep love for each other that has no romance to it, Mm -hmm. but is so important to both of their lives. Um, I didn't view them as siblings. Like, you know, the two people living in the house. I sort of viewed them more as co-leaders, co-presidents, co-clergy, whatever you want to like whatever comparison you want to make here, because they are the tying point throughout the entire movie. And they are both the ones who seem to be quote in charge and making decisions throughout for the most part. And while they have their bickering, there's this full understanding that they fully trust the other person. They have this really good partnership Mm -hmm. and no offense to siblings. I don't think that always exists. And the fact that they fully understand one another and they have that really strong friendship, partnership, whatever. I viewed them as just, you know, neither of them had the lead seat. I viewed both of them as sort of the lead party seat. And they had different purposes for what it meant in a situation, but that each of them were in charge. Absolutely. And I'm going to expand on that as well. And this to me is the direct link to community again, where Edgin, Holga, Zink, Simon, Doric, and Kira. Mm-hmm. Each of them did something during the movie that meant the mission would have failed without them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, every, they, every one of them contributed. Yeah. Contributed something critical. Yeah. And that's community. We need 
everyone's presence. We need everyone's talents. We need everyone's time. We need everyone's treasure to use the alliterative three (laughs) things that people give to a synagogue that make us special and important to the communities in which we participate. Nice. Very fun. There's a relatively, another relatively famous statement in the Talmud, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zebazer, which means all of Israel is responsible for one another. This notion, and I've I've seen it in Pirkei Avot, I've seen it in Sanhedrin, it comes up a lot. What does it mean to be responsible for one another? Oh, I like that compared to the Dungeon of Dragons thing. Yeah, that can go in a few different directions. Yeah. I'll stick to the movie. Okay. The group has this party that has these goals and achievements. They're doing these things to better the lives of themselves, but they're supporting one another. And only when Forge, Hugh Grant's character, went off for his own benefit because of the Red Wizard of Thay, that's when the party literally fell apart and disbanded because he was looking out for himself. And throughout the movie, they need somebody to pull them up from a cliff or to pull them out of the gelatinous cube or like you need to be there for the other person in order for there to be success or it's a TPK. It's a total party kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's tied really closely to the idea that they all had to contribute during the climax of the film that they were responsible to each other, but also responsible to the community. There's the moment where they get out safely. They understand serious stuff is about to go down back there and they can keep going. Mm -hmm. They consciously made the choice to turn the boat around and leave absolute safety behind to go after the big bad and, and try and save the day to save a city full of many people who kind of clearly don't care very much about them. At least many of them didn't. Sure. Who minutes earlier was cheering their deaths on in in an arena. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I listened to another podcast about the gladiatorial arena and was thinking about the similarities while I was preparing for for the podcast. But when they turned around, they also turned down wealth in Mm -hmm. favor of the larger community that- Yeah. Not for themselves, for others. Yeah. Right. Were they a part of this city's community? Nah, kind of, not really. But they went back. And in moments of, you know, the the battle at the end, that was another moment of great, great afikomen for those of us who are familiar with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. You know, like Bigby's Hand was the spell that both Sophina, the Red Wizard, and Simon cast. Sophina's was a red clawed hand and his was made of rocks. And, you know, talk about a great moment of showing two people using the same spell with different skills, mm-hmm. where she's been using this spell for years and and understands it so deeply that it manifests in whatever way her mind wants it to. Whereas, you know, Simon, who's only just getting really good, uses material from the ground to create this hand out of rocks, and it kind of stays tethered to the ground for the most part with a couple of hovering moments, but it's still staying close to the ground. I like this community theme for this because I think the idea of Dungeons and Dragons is a party. And so like, what is the party? It's not a community. And we've talked about how I like when we find a theme, where does it manifest within the rest of this Mm storyline? And I think the fact there's a, a few things I'm thinking of one in order to find out where the helm 
that allows them to get into the the vault is they mm-hmm. have to go and not just ask one skeleton but this community of army has to tell a story <laughs> together for them to find their answer that it wasn't just one dead guy had the answer they all shared a part in that they all were responsible for supporting each other to make sure that it was safe and that's yeah. why they had to, um so that was one and then thinking also uh, i want to i want to yeah. I, I have to jump in on this scene yeah. so another cut scene is one of the guy when they asked him what's your favorite book just yeah. to like, waste a question one of the cut scenes is 6 minutes of that actor in improv- <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I died laughing when the trailer came out and he's like asking the five questions to the first corpse and you know finishes with like, does that count? Yeah. And then he <laughs> he wasted oh, yeah. the five all five questions were pretty much wasted in that one. And that was yeah. classic. It was it's very much Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's very like, good. To spend so much time. You know, my yeah. party, they spend so much time discussing whether a door is trapped. And <laughs> most of the time it's not. And I'm just sitting yeah. there listening to them discuss how they're going to like carefully step into something that, <laughs> or like there's fog. And then one time, two years ago, they got hurt by fog. So they're not going to go into this fog. And there's yeah. something critical in the fog. And you're like, come on, you guys. <laughs> there was, we had a game where there was a, a tower that had manifested in the middle of this um, cave and it would look magical, but one of our guys was going to go down and open the door amongst all the like cave goblin creatures that were there. Mm-hmm. And he, go- <laughs> and this was a very opposite of that of like no prep. And he goes down to the door pretending to be this other goblin. And he's like, all right, I attempt to open the door and our DM goes, all right, well, there's no doorknob here. It's just a uh, flat and so there's no we didn't do any preparation leading into it like the very opposite of the cautious he just went down to try to open this door but there's no knob on the outside and so he cannot open the door well uh, there was when, kind of a knob on the outside if you're describing the goblin nice <laughs> mm. when we did so we did starfinder so pathfinder space themed stuff there was one where like some computer console exploded and did like one point of damage. And for the rest of the campaign, we're always like scanning computers, to make sure it wasn't going to explode on us <laughs> for one point. of damage. Yeah. <laughs> we have 4,000 hit points, but I'm really yeah. worried about breaking a nail. That's very funny. And then the other way that community manifests, I always like to look at the villain side is that the whole point of that other side of it was them creating not a community, but like a horde, Right. These yeah. people mindlessly following this one person as opposed to working together out of their own free will in support of this cause. And I think you've touched on exactly the difference between a community, especially in Jewish concept, and any group. Yeah. Um, even if a group is like-minded, such as zombies bent on destruction, they're not a community because they're not supporting each other. They're either slaves of a master, like Sofina was trying to create in the movie, or after their own hunger and desire, like in any zombie movie. Yeah. But a community is responsible for one another. Or even a gang. Like some gangs have community, but I think that's when they support each other and others are bent on like the the Foot Clan. (laughs) In the original Ninja Turtles live action film with the Foot Clan, right? there's this sense originally you have the sense that the foot clan is just following the shredder and in that move they're like no look around you people and they had this sense of change of we are here to support one another in this space and we are family 
And then they sort of switched. That's when the they took off their mask and became a family as opposed to the Foot Clan. Like there's a difference in that shift of mindset of their purpose. And I think that's what you're tying to that this horde of people that are mindlessly following a leader for whatever thing, as opposed to that intentional decision to support the person next to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think of Chris Pine's character and the community and oath that he took. And part of the Harper's the theme. Yes. Thank you. The Harper's. And part of the theme of this is like, you're never really truly gone. And the values were always there with him. It was another great aspect of community that was woven throughout the movie. And these guilds like the Harper's are wonderful ways to spread community throughout the realms of D&D, where just like Judaism, when I was with Natalie, my wife, leading satyrs in Moscow and the surrounding areas in 2002. The Saturday morning of the week of Passover that we were in in Moscow, my friend and now colleague, Rabbi Brad Levenberg, and I went to a morning Shabbat service at the Moscow Reform Congregation. And we went in thinking, all right, if it's all in Russian, we don't understand a word of it, we'll say hello and leave. Well, guess what? They sang Debbie Friedman melodies and they were warm and welcoming. And we knew all the prayers, you know, the English parts were in Russian, but other than that, it was a very familiar. The English parts were in Russian. That's a great (laughs) (laughs) comment. But but it felt like we were a part of their community just as much as we're a part of our community stateside. You know, talking about this conversation is making me realize that the the one actor they did not cast in this film that they should have is like Vin Diesel. But great, they have Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and the Furious series that like yeah. she understands family. Right. And, so and Vin, Vin Diesel is famously a huge Dungeons and Dragons player. I bet he would have done a really nice job as Chris Pine's character. Maybe um, they're saving him for another movie. Oh, a sequel? That'd be nice. Bring in all those Joe, Joe Manganiello. Uh, also a huge uh huge D&D. There's a lot of really famous actors that are D&D fan. But um, also, again, one of the things that you can watch in the extras section of the movie is how the the actors were introduced to Dungeons and Dragons by a campaign run by a hired dungeon master where each of the actors played their characters in the campaign. Yeah, I saw that they did that ahead of like filming oh, to get a sense of who they were and the people and the the actors God, they were working with. It's so, so what a good. weird training, right? Superheroes go and they like go to the gym for months, months, and these people get to play Dungeons and Dragons as their prep. <laughs> Maybe that's why I love this movie so much. These are my type of people. Totally, mine too. And to learn that these, not only the characters and the and the film was such a a love note to Dungeons and Dragons. But also learning that the actors themselves fell in love with the game. Just really, I kind of want to go watch it again tonight. (laughs) So anything else that the two of you want to point out before we conclude? This is one of those movies where I watch it. I'm like, you know, I kind of hope there's a sequel. It'd be fun to see them do this again. Yeah, I agree. Right. I'm only very vaguely familiar with the D world now like I, I knew what was going on i understood the concept but now as somebody who plays it sort of irregularly it was very fun but i really think that this movie was fun for the people that know what's going on and the people who don't know what's going on this was sure. fully entertaining i agree i would love to see a sequel i would like 
there to be some dice rolling or some very obvious nat more like nat ones or critical hits situations that this movie had and they teased that but there's a lot of fun gameplay that I, I would love to see them explore some more. I was hoping for a joke when they were in a bar where like people are playing a dice game. Edgin would um, say, I never play with dice. Like I would have loved to yeah. have seen one of the, a throw off line. The thing uh, that I really wanted is, and I'll reference the movie beer fest did this very well. If you saw beer fest is having one of the characters die and then coming back as like their twin sibling with a slightly different name, uh, uh, very similar backstory because you were so sad your character died and beer fested that. And they were like, oh, you could just call me Tank because I feel like I know you guys. like they completely played with that idea of replacing funny. a character who had died with somebody else with an extremely similar backstory. I think that's the only piece this D&D movie missed that like D&D games have. But I do think I do agree that this movie is ripe for sequels and and that yeah. we could see more. I uh, would love to see them play in this world a little more. So Jonathan Goldstein, one of the directors, if you're listening, we would we would love to a have you on the show with John Francis Daly, who's the other director, would be great. But definitely, we I'll would. also I'll take Chris Pine too. I yeah, sure, great. I'll take them all. You know, come on down, uh, we'd Captain love Kirk. <laughs> of course, you love Chris. <laughs> Pine. <laughs> So in Hebrew, the word for community is kahila, as we've discussed. And it comes from the from the root that means being gathered together, kahal. But in biblical Hebrew, they use a different word for community. And that word is edah. The word aid without the hay at the end means witness, which is a description of the main way we take information in. We witness it. We see it. So perhaps a community, an edah, is a group of people with a shared experience of how they witness the world. We have a shared understanding of what we see, and that makes us a cohesive unit, an Ada, a kihila, but more importantly, a kihila kedosha, a sacred community. Love it. Nice. That's great. Or at least perception of whatever the dungeon master tells you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for all intents and purposes... In the world of any particular game, the Dungeon Master is the one god. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Torah Smash. Our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. It helps others find us and is an excellent way to support the podcast. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to torahsmash.com to find where to connect with us online, purchase swag from our store, support us with a donation, find previous episodes, and more. And you've gotten the attention of a nearby goblin. He attempts to steal your gelt. Roll a dreidel for initiative. I know there are other specifics. <laughs> Emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh, oh Joe Mangelano meant Joe Mangelian. Joe Ben. How do you say his name? I don't know who you're talking about. The, the painful part is no one's going to know it was me <laughs> saving the podcast. <laughs>